We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, trying to rinse out the last couple games from our mouths with these Titans two-game losing streak as they now head back home to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first of two matchups this season. Titans are undefeated against the AFC South, so hopefully a game that they can get back on track for this one. Justin, how are you doing today? Excited to get into this one, preview this matchup, as you said. You know, we, we had the recap episode. We sort of mourned the Eagles' loss already. Time to move on and, and preview this Jags game, and we got a great guest to come help us do it. That's right. So I think we should just get to it then. Let's welcome in our guest now. He is Jordan DeLugo. He Runs the Generation Jaguar YouTube channel, also the host of the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Jordan, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing well. The Jags might not be doing as well as I'm doing right now after the butt whooping they took at the hands of the Lions yesterday, but we're doing all right here in Duval County. It's about 70 degrees outside. Feels good. So sun's still shining. We'll be all right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good. right right on topic, Jordan. I think we've got to start with that, right? Uh, you know, coming off probably what's their most embarrassing loss of the year, in all honesty, right? 40 to 14 yes. to an underrated, you know, Detroit Lions squad that has been playing a better brand of football as of late. Nonetheless, anytime it's, you know, 40 to 14, or typically not a great atmosphere around the team. And this occurred after a string of positive performances. Even you take a 27-17 loss, for example, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you take positives away from that, right, as, as a, a franchise that's still rebuilding. But in your opinion, how big of a step backwards was this? I don't think we'll know until um, until you see what happens following, right? Uh, it feels just a day afterwards, about 24 hours. It feels like it was maybe not a step backwards so much as it was a, a culmination of all the problems that this team does have. And when you talk about those, Starts with the defensive side of the ball. Did not force a single punt against the Lions in Week 12, which is obviously unbelievable. Unbelievable statistic. Um, I think there's some personnel issues on the defensive side of the ball. I think that there's also some things that the coaches are not doing that could potentially maximize the personnel that they do have. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, starts with Mike Caldwell. And then on offense, you saw... Zay Jones, after the performance of a lifetime and in week 12 um, against the Ravens, he came out and he dropped three passes. I think PFF counted him for three. I think he dropped four. And then you saw Evan Ingram <laughs> drop some passes as well, um, which was disappointing. So you just had a team that was dropping the ball on offense, not helping their quarterback out. You know, Travis Etienne had a fumble on the first drive that cost the team as well. Uh, So there was just a multitude of issues for the Jaguars um, and it's different things that have kind of popped up throughout the season and they all popped up against the Lions. Yeah, just kind of one of those snowball games coming off a win. 
feel like maybe the Jaguars were a little high on themselves coming into the mm-hmm. this next week. Um, but speaking of Trevor Lawrence there, he appeared to suffer an ugly ankle injury in this game. And there were questions like, is he going to even come back? And then he did come back. And not only did he come back, he, he came back and ran with the ball. I think he had three runs, three scrambles for positive yardage on his first drive back in the game. Um, it's still early in the week now, but do you expect him to play on Sunday against the Titans? And also, what did you learn about his toughness this past week? Yeah, so we heard from Doug earlier today, Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach. He thinks that it's trending in the right direction. He he doesn't believe there's going to be any issues, but they're getting some MRIs back later this afternoon on the foot, uh, which a lot of people, I mean, it looked like it was probably a knee injury, right? When you were watching it live, but it was actually the foot um, that got wrapped up on the bottom of the pile there. Mm. But yeah, Doug expects it to be all right. He expects him to be ready for Sunday, but couldn't confirm that until they see uh, the MRI report, I believe is what they were waiting on. Um, but like like we all saw, he went out there and ran the ball effectively. Uh, didn't look like any of his footwork mechanically was, was um, you know, negatively impacted by the injury down the stretch. So it looks like he should be all right, but we'll wait for official word on that. And yeah, from his toughness standpoint, yeah, he absolutely showed the toughness. I think he's showed it at times throughout his career already, but that was kind of um, a plant the flag in the ground for Trevor Lawrence's toughness, right? It looks like an awful injury. People are worried it's going to be long-term. People definitely don't think he's going to come back in the game. And then he doesn't miss any offensive snaps outside of, I think, a kneel down at the very end of the half. Uh, So yeah. Very impressive for Trevor Lawrence to be able to fight through that and come back and play good football afterwards. And he sure did that. And I think you're right. It feels like a plant your flag moment for him, right? In terms of him being the leader of this team, unquestioned leader. Um, Staying on that topic somewhat, Jordan, I think success obviously hasn't really arrived for this team this year, not through the win column, at least, right? It's not really reflected in that area. Um, But I do get the sense there's reason for optimism around this team, right? And I think Doug Peterson is probably a a big reason for that. Certainly coming off Urban Meyer, I imagine Doug Peterson looks like the greatest coach in football history right now. But uh, this is the first time we're, you know, the Titans are playing the Jags this year. So this is our first opportunity, you know, Graver and I, uh, to really, you know, get a guest on here who's familiar with the Jags and, and sort of ask that question. Would you say that my assessment is accurate in the sense that there there is reason for optimism around this team, and that begins with Doug Peterson? Yeah, well, I would say it begins with Trevor Lawrence, because that's probably why Doug Peterson's here, right? But from the top-down point of view, yeah, absolutely. Doug Peterson has changed the culture. He's continuing to change the culture. You have players that are all in on playing for him. There's zero... Um, dissension in the locker room despite being four and eight right they've doubled up their win win total with their losses and um, usually that's the time where you start to see some some teams start to have um, maybe players taking plays off kind of looking out for themselves different things going on but you don't really see that in Jacksonville part of that is because it's a young team part of it is because they believe in Doug Peterson and they believe in their their quarterback and Trevor Lawrence as well. And I think they believe in themselves. They're certainly more talented than what they showed on Sunday against the Lions, as evidenced by some of the wins and close contests that you've seen throughout the year. So, yeah, I think overall there's definitely good vibes in the building. I think there's kind of like a check yourself vibe in the building today. 
uh, because obviously they were, as you mentioned, I think a little high on themselves after the win against Baltimore. Uh, but I do think there's a good feeling. Questions about the defense, though. It's starting to become too much of a trend for the Jaguars' defense to kind of get rolled over and not put up much of a fight outside of maybe being able to create a turnover here or there throughout some of these games. And they weren't even able to do that on Sunday against the Lions. Yeah, speaking of that defense, we've seen a lot of Trayvon Walker chatter in recent weeks. And frankly, it's been mostly negative uh, sort of in relation to the Jaguars taking him over Aiden Hutchinson, who's had a more productive season. And, you know, it's the first year, rookie year. It's pretty early to have this discussion. But curious how you feel about Walker uh, on the Jaguars thus far. It is early to have the discussion, obviously. You know, these things are not set in stone. And I, I brought it up today. If you ask Jaguars fans or anybody who watched football about the Jaguars rookies at this point last year, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne hadn't played. Tyson Campbell was really inconsistent. Andre Sisco was inconsistent. Uh, and all, all these are guys that you feel really good about now. Um, so I do think you can see a lot happen within uh, from the end of season one to the beginning and middle of season two. But Trayvon Walker... They drafted him. Everybody knew he was a project as an outside linebacker. That wasn't really what he did a ton of in college. He did have some experience doing it. But his bread and butter was being moved around the formation. It was being able to use his his length mismatch and his quickness and athleticism mismatch against interior players. When you see the Jaguars use him on stunts and get him moving, attacking guards and centers, you see great results. And uh, I don't know why you don't see more of that. I don't see. I don't know why you don't see him aligned more on the interior than he is. You did see that a couple times on third and long against the Lions this past week, and I do think that's an encouraging sign. Uh, the Lions just so happened to decide to run the ball on both of those third and longs, typical Lions fashion, right? But um, I think that maybe you're starting to see him being used a little bit more in a, in a way that's going to suit his skill set right now. But yeah, I never thought that he should have been the first overall pick. I had him as a first round pick, but not the first overall pick. And it's just because you don't have a defined skill set. You obviously have incredible athleticism, incredible physical talents, the length, all that stuff. Um, and a guy who definitely can set the edge against the run on the outside. There's no question about that. But what else is he giving you from the jump? Um, I think you got to get create more creative in the way you use him. Titans fans won't won't love hearing me say this, Jordan, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, I'm rooting for Trayvon Walker. I, I really am. I hope he figures it out down there and has a great career. I had a chance to speak with him leading up to the draft, and I was really impressed with the person and the human being he was and and is still today, obviously. And I thought the tape was was great. I, I would agree with your assessment, certainly that. You know, it, it was a risk, certainly, obviously. You know, Aiden Hutchinson was more pro-ready player, a more pro-ready prospect. There was no doubt about that. You know, he had the 32, sub-32-inch arms, and Trayvon had the 35-inch vines and other things that, that Trent yeah. Balky seemed to fall in love with. But I'm rooting for Trayvon Walker. I hope he figures it out down there. He really is a great person, great family as well. Um, look, Jordan, that's essentially going to do it. We've really, really appreciated your time today. In closing, though, before we let you get out of here, we wanted to pick your brain on, on how you see the flow of this game um, potentially f uh, going. And, and if you feel inclined, if you're feeling up to it, perhaps a final score prediction. 
Yeah, it's awfully early in the week, right, to be doing the final score prediction. Got a lot of Titans tape I need to dive into before we get there, but I'll I'll try to talk through this here. I think, obviously, y'all know the Titans are capable of playing an incredibly physical brand of football. I thought that the Jaguars kind of melted against the Lions' physical brand of football, uh, especially on the line of scr- lines of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage in this contest against the Lions. So, you know, I expect the Titans to try to do a lot of what the Lions did to the Jaguars. And um, when you look at when you look at what the Jaguars are struggling with defensively, a lot of it is play action. It's misdirection. It's you know. If you have a tight end looking like he's going to chip and then releasing, it's confusing to these linebackers, things like that. Any sort of thing where you've got eye candy and and things of that nature, I think the Titans would be really wise to employ that against this Jaguars defensive front. And then on the offensive side of the ball for the Titans, uh, or excuse me, defensive side of the ball for the Titans against the Jaguars offense, I'm not sure how that matchup's going to go for the Titans. I know that they're going to try to play it really physical and uh, keep the Jags contained. I do think the Jags have a chance to try to open it up. I think they had a chance to open it up against the Lions, but you just saw all the drops consistently from the Jaguars receivers. Um, so we'll see how it plays out, but I expect a physical game. Uh, certainly not as many points from the Titans as the Lions in this one, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I would I would say I give the Titans the advantage right now. You know, they're a team that I think is better coached all around. While I do think Doug is a great head coach, I think they're struggling on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the personnel struggling on the defensive side of the ball. So I definitely take the Titans. Where is the score going to end up? I don't know. Maybe 24-21, something like that. Yeah, I think this game will be closer than Titans fans want to admit. Um, Both teams coming off pretty bad losses. And uh, I guess we'll see how this thing unfolds. Jordan, before you head yeah. out, I do want to add, um, you sound very optimistic from the Titans' point of view there. And it makes sense that you sound that way because you haven't had a chance to dive into the tape yet of the loss to the Eagles. <laughs> That's As right. you said, so you, you, might, <laughs> you might feel a little differently after you, you get to, a chance to dive into the Titans' tape. But we appreciate, we appreciate your time as always. Yeah. Well, look, I think the Jaguars are a team that have shown that they can play with anybody, they can beat anybody, and they can also lose to anybody. Sounds familiar. We'll see how it plays out. (laughs) Jordan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the insight, and maybe we'll see you again in a few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, we can do it again before uh, before the season finale, right? Yeah. Right. Thanks again to our guest, Jordan, and all of his insight there. Yeah, he is pretty down on the Jaguars, but that can, should be expected after watching them lose 40-14 to 14 to a losing a team with a currently a losing record in the Detroit Lions. Of course, the Titans fans had to watch their team lose 35-10. to 10. Before we give our thoughts on this game, let's do our worst matchup of the week, presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden. The best worsts, the best brats, the best burgers in Nashville. Stop by, tell them the Music City Audible sent you. Justin, what do you got for us this week with your worst matchup as the Titans take on the Jags? Yeah, I'm going to switch it up a little. And, and as most of our listeners know, we don't hide it. We, we typically record this on Wednesday, so a little early in the week for injury designations and things of that nature. But I'm going to go with Travis Etienne um, against the Titans linebackers. The reason I'm going to highlight that, it's especially if David Long Jr. is hurt and misses this game, right? David Long exited the game against the Eagles on Sunday and did not return. Zach Cunningham remains on IR. 
Keep in mind, Zach Cunningham's not a very good, um, you know, coverage defender anyway. So when I look at ETN, a guy who can catch the ball coming out of the backfield, a guy that they once almost converted to wide receiver once upon a time, I think that was an Urban Meyer thing. So I guess pay it no mind. But the fact that they believe in his abilities to catch the football, and I believe under Doug Peterson, he actually practiced once or twice um, at receiver in July and August just to kind of get him out there, get him comfortable catching the ball. But you get this guy against these linebackers, again, especially if David Long is out, I would be very concerned, right? Dylan Cole allowed three receptions on three targets against the Eagles. All these numbers, of course, are by pro football focus. 28 receiving yards, about 10 yards per reception Dylan Cole allowed. He had a coverage grade of 43.7. Monty Rice missed a couple tackles. Uh, you know, Dylan Cole's not very good playing in space. Joe Schobert might have been the worst one of the bunch. He allowed four receptions on four targets for 41 yards. So again, just a hair mm-hmm. above 10 yards per catch. 100% completion percentage for the quarterback when targeting Joe Schobert in coverage. I don't trust all of these guys in cup. None of them. Joe Schobert, Dylan Cole, Monty Rice, uh, Zach Cunningham, <laughs> who probably won't be back. But any of them, I don't trust them in coverage, right? David Long's the only one I trust in coverage. So I look at that matchup. I, I love what ETN does for them. He's been coming on really strong, right? A bit of a slow start to his year. I know that because one of my best friends has been fantasy football and won't didn't shut up about how bad he was and now won't shut up about how good he's been. So uh, it's a concerning matchup for me. He, again, he can do so much for that offense. And if this defense is missing David Long, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if ETN uh, pops one or two. Yeah, he's, he's been relatively quiet, suffered the injury against Baltimore and then had a subpar game against the Lions. But he's had some really explosive plays this year. I know because I also have him on my fantasy team. And there are weeks where he just, I mean, he doesn't have huge touch numbers, but the yardage totals are crazy. He just rips off 40, 50 yard plays. So something the Titans will definitely have to keep a special eye and attention on. My worst matchup of the week is looking at Dennis Daly. And I mean, this is easy for me. Whoever Dennis Daly plays each week is the worst matchup for the Titans. So whether that's Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker or or whomever lined up across from the Titans tackles. I mean, Nicholas Petit-Frere, Hasn't been a whole lot better. Most of those sacks on Sunday against the Eagles, Ryan Tannehill under pressure immediately. It was because both tackles were beat immediately. And there, there's nowhere to escape to. You know, if one offensive lineman gets beat, maybe the quarterback can can get out of the pocket or step up or get away from the pressure. If everyone's getting beat at the same time, Tannehill has no chance. I feel like we're going to see a few plays in this game where Tannehill drops back on a must-pass third and long situation and is just immediately under pressure. Josh Allen only has three sacks this year. He could double that total on Sunday lined up across from Dennis Daly if he gets to face him very, very often. So my my worst matchup of the week is just these Titans tackles, especially left tackle Dennis Daly against whomever is lined up on the other side of the field because they have been just – Daly has just been so terrible. And maybe we see LaRaven Clark this week. Mike Gravel mentioned on Monday that LaRaven Clark would be given a chance to compete for the starting left tackle job. Dylan Radins, not in the conversation, not in the competition. I guess he's just a guard now. Long-term uh, payoff for me because between us, I, I had always said that the Titans viewed uh, Radins as a guard. But no, um, we'll see how this shakes out. But I am not excited to watch Dennis Daly again. So I we, I mean, we've been talking about this for a month that LaRaven Clark or somebody else should be given a chance at left tackle, right? And it still hasn't happened. Maybe the Titans' entire game is different if uh, – They don't have that drive that stalled out because of a Dennis Daly false start followed by a Dennis Daly sack allowed in the red zone leading to a Titans field goal. And I know they lost by 25 points and it feels like it was a blowout, but it really snowballed there after 
the drives continued to stall. So I think the game could have been different. You know, one little play changes the whole, you know, course of the game. But that's my worst matchup of the week. Should we just get into this game now? How do we think this is going to play out? The Jaguars have been an underachieving team. The Titans have been good against bad teams and bad against good teams. I would say the Jaguars fall into the bad team that is getting better category. So kind of a, an interesting spot for these Titans to prove that they can beat up on the bad teams. I don't know, though. I think this one's going to be closer than people think. The Titans defense is so banged up right now that I don't trust them anymore. You know, like with when they were a more healthy bunch. I trusted them a lot more, but Christian Fulton left Sunday's game, didn't return. David Long left Sunday's game, didn't return. We don't know if either of those guys are going to be back. Danico Autry still wasn't practicing late into last week. We don't know his status. Titans just signed a defensive lineman, Terrell Basham, so that could be bad news for Danico Autry. Again, we're recording this early in the week on Monday, so I don't know. By the time this episode comes out, Autry could be on IR or something else, uh, something potentially worse. We'll see how this shakes out, but the way this Titans defense is so banged up, the way that Jalen Hurts passed all over the field to seemingly wide open receivers almost every time. I mean, the only really contested grab I can remember was A.J. Brown's touchdown over Trey Avery. Everything else was wide open, it felt like. I don't know. I mean, should I be more confident in the Titans than I am going into this game? Like, I think the Titans can eke out a win, but it's going to be tougher than it needs to be. And D. Henber is on full pause. Also, if Traylon Burks is not back for this game... How how does this offense even move the ball? I don't know. I'm 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 in a weird place with this team right now coming off the two losses. I do agree it's probably going to be close, right? I mean and and the defensive thing you mentioned. I wrote two articles, one late last week, one early this week. The one I wrote late last week was on the offensive line, and I wrote that for for Broadway Sports and I said, um pay close attention on how they respond to not only the challenge against the Eagles, but more so the the whooping they took against the Bengals, right? And I kind of formed the narrative in my mind and I wrote it out saying it it matters, right? Because you're coming off a whooping like that. And I mean, a whooping, they took a whooping up front, right? It's a four-point game, but the offensive line lost the battle badly in the trenches. And we talked about that a lot. Um, so I, I thought it really mattered how they bounced back. Um, and they didn't, right? It was the same performance, essentially, right? They got beat up up front by a much more talented um, defensive line than, that the Eagles have, certainly more talented than the Titans' offensive line. There was no response, right? The second article I wrote, I wrote on Monday, uh, discussed defensive depth, right? We've been every episode, right? I, I round off the names, right, of guys that are uh, you know sort of unsung heroes for this defense, so to speak, and uh, the shine was wearing off a little bit, right? Or certainly wore off against Philly in terms of. And look, it's never good to overreact to these things, but. I gave you the numbers, right, from Dylan Cole and Joe Schobert and Monty Rice, and those are all things to be concerned of, right? Well, you want to go over to cornerback. Look, it's asking a lot of Trey Avery to cover A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, uh, and he certainly experiences growing pains, right? Came back down to earth, right, after uh, having a pretty good game against Cincinnati, right, where mm -hmm. I think he allowed, like, two catches on seven targets or something. So uh, you could look at every level of the defense, right? I talked about the linebackers. I talked about the secondary there. Let's, Roger McCreary, too, in all honesty, right, is – Given up a lot. He's given up a lot, right? A lot of a lot of catches, a lot of yards, uh, touchdowns here and there. So uh, we've praised him, and look, he deserves it for what he's handled as a rookie. But uh, we're not going to pretend like he's not given up a lot, right? And it's probably at times a favorable matchup um, that other offenses are are keying in on, certainly. And last but not least, I, I interrupted myself there, but I talked about every level. You talk about the pass rush, right? I mean, I think it's the worst unit on the team right now in terms of the crisis level because. 
this defense has, has sort of been ticking due to the pass rush, right? We, we talked about what they did against the Chiefs, against the Broncos. Well, you look at it lately, right? They miss Dina Kawatri so much, right? Like they miss him so You know what it looks like? It looks like the 2020 Titans defense when Shane Bowen was the coordinator and they had no pass rush. Yes. Everyone's like, oh, and why the... does it look like that? Yeah, I know all the injuries. It's like, oh, the turnaround into 2021. Like maybe Shane Bowen wasn't such a bad defensive coordinator. Titans fans overreacted to one season. It's like, no, they actually had good players that could rush the passer in 2021 and change everything. Early in this season, they had a pass rush. Danico Autry hurt. Jeffrey Simmons' ankle is is messed up. Uh, Harold Landry obviously out for the year. Bud Dupree, a shell of what. I don't know. Sometimes he looks good. In some plays, he looks like he's just standing there watching the quarterback. Doesn't so I don't like even know what to make million, of Bud Dupree. Sorry, doesn't look like an $85 million no. pass rusher, right? Over five years. That's for He did have a strip sack. He did have a strip sack on Jalen Hurts there in that game that the Eagles were able to recover. But, a scrambling um, quarterback. Yeah. He kind of caught him from behind. <laughs> it was a hustle effort play, right? It's not like he beat the edge like a drum and got to the quarterback, right? It was... Look, uh, yeah. it's bad, right? Dina Kowatri, Jeffrey Simmons has four pressures in his last three games. Right, it's very un-Jeffrey Simmons-like, and it's due to the injury, right? It's the ankle that's hampering him. Mario Edwards Jr. had two pressures um, against Philadelphia. Uh, Demarcus Walker had zero, right? Guys that we've been praising. Rashad Weaver, by the way, zero. Zero pressures against the Eagles. Guys we've been praising, uh, and rightfully so, you know, And but in all honesty, it probably had a lot to do with the attention that Jeffrey Simmons and Dina Kawatri command, right? And the favorable one-on-one matchups, advantages, uh, mismatches that they get when those guys are healthy and on the field, right? And when they're not, uh, this is what you get, right? So it's, yep. um, it's, it's, it's definitely really concerning. I think the Titans can win this game if they can take advantage of the Jacksonville defensive woes the way that the Lions did. And I don't expect the Titans offense to put up 40 points because they haven't put up 30 points yet this year. Um, but maybe they can get to 30. If Traylon Burks clears concussion protocol miraculously, I mean, I don't. That looked more like a two to three week concussion to me. The way he was just knocked out cold on the field, so I don't expect Traylon Burks back for this game. Titans might be able to grind out a win, 17, 16, or something. But if they can't contain this Jacksonville passing attack the way that they couldn't contain the Philly passing attack even a little bit, and I know Philly is a really good team. They probably have the best offensive line in football. They have one of the best defensive lines in football. They win in the trenches, and they have fantastic skill position players those are all recipes for having a great team and uh yeah it's hard to beat them obviously the jacksonville jaguars are not the philadelphia eagles so can the titans come up with a game plan here that puts trevor lawrence's head into a bit of a blender and makes things difficult for him and get him to not trust what he's seeing maybe but they're gonna have to get pressure if they want a chance to win this game i think so can they do it I don't know. I think I would predict a 17-16 Titans win because I just have such little faith in the offense without Traylon Burks out there. Can Derrick Henry get going? Are the Jaguars going to attack the Titans with the same kind of defensive fronts they've seen the last few weeks? Eagles on early downs, almost every early down run type of play that wasn't a third and long type of play, five down defensive linemen filling in all the gaps of that off of that outside zone running attack the titans want to want to try to run so perhaps the jaguars are unable to execute a five down attack perhaps they don't even try it because they run what they run which is four down linemen i don't know but i i am just worried that this titans team peaked two weeks ago and it's just going to be downhill for the rest of the season yeah i i've got the titans winning this one as well i i think i'll go something like 17 13 
like you said, I think it's going to be closer than it should be. I don't think the offense is going to experience any any sort of explosion. Um, certainly they haven't had one this season, as you said. So I got the Titans 17-13. Look, um, well, if they lose this one, <laughs> you, you still probably feel pretty good about where you're at in the division uh, because the AFC South is so terrible. But uh, if they lose this one, it's only going to get worse around here. Yeah. Like I said, Titans are 3-0 in the division, looking to make it 4-0. If they can beat Jacksonville in this game, they can win this game. There's still four games left in the year, so it's not like everything is over and set. But they will have a pretty substantial lead. That'll be a four-game lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars, a three-and-a-half game lead over the Colts because of the tie, and the Colts are on by this week. So they're basically locked into a division win if they can win this game on Sunday against Jacksonville. It's not technically official, but it's basically there. Um, so hopefully that'll motivate them to go out and get this win. Cause if they are locked into that division title, that means they're locked into a playoff spot and not saying they can take it easy for the last four games of the season, but they can get healthy and they cannot worry about pressing guys uh, who are not in healthy situations so that they can secure a playoff spot because they'll basically have it already wrapped up. Um, anything else you want to say on this game or should we get out of here? No, I think that does it. Pay close attention to how this team performs. Mike Rabel said they're at a crossroads. Um, I don't think that was a ridiculous thing to say. Certainly when you've lost two games back to back in the manner that you have, you've got to evaluate some things, come together as a group and figure out how you want to finish your season. So there's only so much they can do. There's obviously, you know, talent issues on this roster, specifically on this offense. And now you look at the depth on defense with all the injuries. So uh, he, he was right to say it and uh, we'll see how they respond. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, kind of a challenge to the team. Like, do you want to, make something out of this season or do you want to co- coil up into a ball and and just lay down and die and i like the way that mike Vrabel's approaching this you know it's not a place the titans have been in too many times with him as the head coach of this team but hopefully he can get the best response out of them all right that will do it for this episode of the music city audible thank you to everyone for listening thanks to the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden reminding you all to check out the pharmacy and tell them the music city audible sent you and also head over to www.broadwaysportsmedia.com check out the articles justin was mentioning earlier this episode and check out the broadway insider pass yeah become a broadway insider today it's 6.99 a month You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F1. Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And also be sure to listen to all the podcasts and other content that Broadway Sports Media has to offer. Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. We will be back next week to recap this Titans Jaguars game. So until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.